If you've been listening to our podcast for any amount of time, you know that we are obsessed with the safe organic pesticide for Saturday Lime. It is safer and stronger than diatomaceous earth, and it's 100% non-toxic, 100% non-flammable, and has zero health hazards. Did you know that diatomaceous earth is made from silica, which can cause respiratory inflammation in humans and animals? DE is essentially ground-up shells that repel by cutting up insects. For Saturday Lime has had the silica burned out of the product and has zero health hazards. For Saturday Lime is safe because it is insoluble and will not react with skin or moisture. The company has taken extra lengthy steps to make their formula fine so it's easier to use and more effective. And with over 50 years in the agriculture business, their family is confident and competent in the best practices necessary to offer a natural pest repellent like this one. When you use First Saturday Lime, you can be confident too that you're making the best choice for you, your animals, and your family. So go to First Saturday lime.com and use code drink at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping. drinking over there i just opened an odell brewing company sipping pretty fruited sour Ooh, i like that name Ooh, i do too and it's got a hummingbird and some pretty flowers on the front of it and i poured out the beer and it is a very very pretty beer it's one that's quite delicious i haven't tried it this time but i've had it a handful of times so I know I'm going to like it. And this was one of those beers that I picked up in Illinois while we were at the Naperville Ale Fest because you cannot get Odell in Ohio, but you can in Illinois. So there. So there. (laughs) What are you drinking over there? So I am drinking a Rosé Bubbles from Underwood, which is uh, located in Oregon. And this is canned wine. Mm. I'm so excited about canned wine. Uh, because it is, for me, kind of difficult these days to open a bottle of wine and then try to drink it within the same week so it doesn't, like, get funky. Um, So I'm super interested in canned wine because it's, like, I don't know, this is 375 milliliters, so I'm thinking this is maybe, like, half a bottle, close to half a bottle, Um, because I just poured it in my glass and it's, like, all the way to the brim, which is usually how I pour wine anyways. Um, so I feel like this is right up my alley, um, cause I'm not being wasteful, but it has notes of wild strawberry fruit cocktail and tart cherry. And this stuff's carbonated too. So, um, a big fan of that as well. Um, I got this when we were at the coal ship, um, the Indiana state brewing tap room and I've been eyeballing it, but we've been doing some like two a days. And I didn't feel super confident about drinking a whole can of wine on a two a day for one episode. So <laughs> I've held on to this bad boy for a while. <laughs> yeah. Smart, smart, smart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have my moments. And welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. Woo! That's Bev over there. And that's Sam over there. And this is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for your ears. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. That's right. We want to create a community for farmers, whether you have a hobby-sized farm or a big farm, um, so you guys can come listen and feel like you're not so alone in this farm thing. We keep it real with you and find humor in the mistakes we make, new knowledge we gain, and sometimes we go off on tangents that are non-farming related. Yes, and we've had quite a few of those in this episode already. So if you would like to check those out, um, what you can do is go to patreon.com slash drinkandfarm because this episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps, which means if you join us at $2 a month or above, you're going to have access to all kinds of weird shit. 
over there that you can just fully enjoy. So go check it out and join us. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of the Patreon, our drinks this episode were sponsored by Montana Coombs, which is at Thimbleworks. I've had the pleasure of meeting her in person, and oh, she's so lovely jealous. and very amazing. So and <laughs> oh, I know. And she also has a shop. Um, it's called Thimbleworks, and it's at thimbleworks.co. And she gives Drink and Farm listeners an exclusive discount in her shop when you use code Drink and Farm. And we just do that because we're all friends with each other. She's not an advertiser or anything. She's just a really awesome human being that mm-hmm. likes being a part of this fun little Drink and Farm community. So go check her out. Yes, do it now. So I have a bit of follow up. Um, that I came across when I was doing some Googling because I, this was one of those weeks where I was like, oh, what are we going to talk about? Which I feel like I haven't had in a while. So I did a lot of Googling to get some ideas and to find my can't even. Um, and I came across this article and the one we're going to reference and will be linked in the show notes is from bring the new, bring me the news.com. Um, and back in episode 68, with the title, I love you with all of my skin. Uh, We Mm -hmm. talked about the uh, suicide. um, I don't know if I call it an epidemic. It's bad. Um, The very high suicide rate of farmers. Uh, So I found this article and there's this farm in Minnesota that um, does a corn maze every year. And this year they decided to create a corn maze and from way up above um it reads your life matters and there's the suicide prevention hotline number um and the family said we always picked a theme that has meaning to our family and this year suicide was something we unfortunately had to face and learn about um and that they hope to make a difference in someone's life to help and help them understand that they matter so i thought this was really cool to see Um, Not cool that there were circumstances that motivated them to do this necessarily, but I think it's really beautiful that they decided to do that. Um, And you can click on the link in the show notes and go check out what it looks like from the sky. But it's pretty cool. Um, And I like seeing people come together and um, recognize this issue because the more we talk about it, the more we can prevent it. Yeah, for sure. And I went ahead and clicked on the picture in the link that we're going to use for the show notes. And it is a really nice corn maze. So mm-hmm. I highly recommend everybody go check it out. And I don't know, maybe share it or something, you know, yeah. like spread the word that people are doing cool things like this. It's um, I'm really sad that their family had to go through something like that also. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, You know what? Helping bring awareness to an issue doesn't always have to be traditional. It can be something like this. It can be this level of thoughtfulness, um, doing something that they normally do. And it sounds like in that article, they list out some other fun things they've done before. Um, This one isn't necessarily fun, but I think it's really important. Yeah, for sure. But anyways, let's slide right into this episode. (laughs) Yeah. So... Pigs have sprouted wings and are flying, <laughs> and hell hath frozen over because I have barn cats. Yay! One of Yay! us. One of us. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, after we're done recording, I need to go take a selfie with the cats and post them to Instagram because yeah. mm-hmm. I've been spending a lot of time with them, but since it's been in the garage, like it's not very photo worthy, <laughs> so I haven't like announced or anything that I have them really, except for in our little uh, Facebook group. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But now I've officially turned into the crazy cat lady because yes. I do. I like I clean their little thing out twice a day. I'm like always petting them, and I go walk by them and I go, "Hi, babies! Hi, babies!" Every time I see them, <laughs> and they're so cute, and they even purr for me, which is like the greatest thing ever. Oh, they love you. I haven't had cats in a really long time, and I forgot like how cool it was to have them like purr on you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So we got some barn cats because uh, we have a giant mouse problem just in general, but it's really bad in our barn. Mm. (laughs) So unfortunately, these guys are a little too small to take care of it right away because they're about 
eight weeks old, but we thought that this was the way to go because I tend to take on animal projects that the kids can't necessarily help out with very well. Mm -hmm. And like adult feral, you know, barn cats was something that they wouldn't like, they couldn't snuggle them or anything right right away like they do now. (laughs) Right. That would be tough because they'd be so tempted to touch those cats. And if they did, they could have gotten hurt pretty easily exactly if they managed to get close enough to them (laughs) right I know I'm picturing it in my head right now I shouldn't be laughing it makes me sound like the meanest mom ever that I'm laughing at that but uh. but yeah I was like my husband and I talked about it because it was his idea to get the cats and he's the one that's allergic but he's like we've got to do something about these mice they've even gotten into we put lockers in the barn to keep all of like the feed and treats and stuff in and I opened one of the locker doors and just all of this like it was one of the chicken treats that we got in the henny and rue box that had like seeds and all of like the good stuff in it it just poured out oh no because they had totally destroyed the bag those dicks (laughs) yeah fun fact though the mice don't seem to go for the grublies so if you need a (laughs) chicken tree that mice aren't going to go for they just don't go for the for the black soldier flies for oh, some reason so I'm, funny. I'm not really sure what it is but uh, they leave those alone so thankfully my grublies are untouched <laughs> <laughs> and uh so one of the cats is a boy and one is a girl Aww. and aurora which is my almost eight-year-old named the boy that is all gray shadow and I got to name the other one, and it's a little white and gray girl, and I named her Winky. Oh. So we have Shadow and Winky. You, I feel like you should explain to the people why you named the girl Winky. <laughs> Winky <laughs> is a house, a house elf from Harry Potter. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> and Aurora and I happen to be reading that book. It's from the fourth book the goblet of fire okay that's when winky comes into play and so since we're in the middle of reading that book i was like "Ooh, winky that'll be a cute name for a cat (laughs) (laughs) so as i already said they're currently in a crate in our garage but they're going to move into the barn today because i just finished cleaning that stall i had been kind of putting it off you know it's it's all that Darby died in Um, but it felt good to clean it all out and now it feels all fresh again and it's all ready for new life and really honestly like getting something that's a baby is a really great way to kind of recover emotionally from something Mm -hmm. horrible happening because it's just impossible to be sad around a baby animal so right (laughs) not to like (laughs) encourage people to like bury their feelings oh that's what I do though (laughs) bury your feelings by a new animal that's what I do right (laughs) (laughs) or hatch something or you know whatever (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure that that could be turned into one of those like therapist memes. So what? Oh yeah. So therapist says, you know, so what do we do on the farm when an animal dies? And you go, go buy a hundred new baby goats. The therapist <laughs> says, no. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> right. Uh, So they'll get to move into the barn today. And I'm really excited for that because they're going to have a little more space. They have a really nice crate and I already put their house in it. It's it's one of those really big crates that I use to transport the goats around when I need to. Okay, yeah. So it's got their little house in it because I wanted to teach them where home was right away. Mm -hmm. So and their house has like a front door and a back door and it's a heated house. It has like a heated pad on the bottom. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that way they can still be okay in it in the wintertime. And obviously, like, if we have, like, negative 40s and stuff, they won't stay outside for that. (laughs) Right. But if it's a normal winter, they should be totally fine in it. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted two, because I wanted them to be able to snuggle together with a heated house and the snuggling. Like, they'll be totally fine. Oh, yeah. And the back door gives them an escape route in case a predator comes around and... Um, but yeah, they'll live in the barn stall for just a little while. And then once they're a little like big enough to catch a mouse, we're going to let them roam free in the barn until they can get all of the mice out. And then by that point, we hope that they're big enough that they can move outside. And then we hope that their patrolling will keep the mice out of the barn. Mm. Um, cause we don't have like a animal door in the barn. Right. You can always get <laughs> And my husband one, doesn't though. want one. Oh, he well, might change his mind. Yeah, he says he doesn't want one because he's afraid that the raccoons will just go through it. Oh. And that seems fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. But I feel like 
you could probably figure something out. Yeah, they have those cat doors that um, the collar is um, like has like a chip on it so that when they walk up to the door, it opens and then it closes behind them. Yes, but then they just can't lose their collar. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Locked out of home. Poor things. But now our farm is, like, getting really full. We've got four goats, a donkey, two cats, two dogs, 16 chickens. Mm-hmm. i got a lot of animals going on here. <laughs> Just wait till you come to my house someday. Then you'll be like, oh, I can get so many more. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm fine. Sam's out of so control, much but I'm fine. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, bring Jared so you can show him and be like, see, I'm not so bad. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be like, why do I let you be friends with these people? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. My husband doesn't choose my friends. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, no. (laughs) No, That would be weird. That would be. Mm -mm. Well, I'm glad you got cats because now you're a crazy cat lady just like me. So cheers to that. Yep. Cheers. So today, outside of Bev's very exciting uh, announcement of her kitty cats, uh, we also want to talk about um, how to plant a fall garden and grow late season crops. And this was inspired, yay indeed, by Bev's um, Instagram stories last Saturday uh, because she was talking about all of the fun stuff she's doing with her garden And I'm like, wow, I'm doing nothing and I want to learn. So for next year, I kind of can come up with a full game plan for like spring, summer, fall and feel prepared to do different things. So I found this really cool article on goodhousekeeping.com that we'll kind of go through. But Bev's also going to like chime in with her experiences and what she's doing um, because I selfishly want to learn and I'm sure you guys will benefit from that too. So if you're anything like me, I didn't really even think about fall gardens being a thing, but you can actually plant your favorite fall veggies in late summer and harvest them before the cold hits. And of course, as always, this depends on your zone and where you live. Um, But later in the discussion we're going to have and in the show notes, we'll link to an almanac uh, website where you can go and actually see this really cool chart of what you should plant when based on when your first freeze is going to be. So I found that very helpful as a total newbie. Yeah. And that's the website that I use to plan my planting when I can, because that almanac site also has like the moon phases and stuff for moon gardening. Mm, (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So you can kind of like pick how you want to do it. And it's pretty cool. Yes, indeed. So, Um, if you're like Bev, who was in full summer harvest mode yesterday, uh, picking up all sorts of things and cleaning things out, um, you might not even be thinking about your fall garden. And actually this article starts out by saying, if you're just now thinking about your fall garden, it might be a little too late. Um, which may or may not be true in your case, depending on your zone, you'll have to go look at that almanac table. But I know for me, I'm not even going to try this year. Um, but Bev, what... Can you talk about like what you guys did yesterday and what you're thinking about doing for your fall garden? Yeah. And in fact, you know, I'll actually back up just a tad because I did plant a fall garden last year because we had had that one garden bed that was done. Remember, we had totally decimated that weed jungle that we had in that square patch. And Jared had time to build me one garden bed. And I was like, one garden bed, that's not going to be enough to like bother doing anything. You know, like I always have these big, giant, grand plans and I'm like, I'm going to plant, I'm not going to plant one head of lettuce. I'm going to plant a hundred so that I can send them (laughs) to like everybody and their mother who could possibly use lettuce. But after I calmed down a little bit, I was like, oh, you know what? No, I can actually get a lot into one bed. And we did Aurora and I planted two different types of kale Swiss chard. Um, we tried to plant green beans, but green beans not a, a winter 
garden crop so don't bother with that <laughs> it's it's good for fall um but once the first frost hits green beans are toast so if you're running late don't bother with those <laughs> and i'm trying to think of when we put that in last year i think it was mid-october Oh, so dang. we were like really late for our fall garden. But um, the things that held up really well were the two different kales. The Swiss chard was fine through the first couple of frosts. But then once it got like really frosty, the Swiss chard couldn't handle that. Oh, okay. The cilantro and the parsley handled the frost pretty well because we did both of those. And what else did we put in it? And a little gem lettuce. And um, the little gem lettuce is one of my favorites because you can slice it up and put it in like tacos or salads. But you can also peel the leaves off and make them into lettuce cups. So that's my favorite variety of lettuce to plant. So I'll post a link in the show notes to those seeds. They're from MI Gardener. So yeah, that's my uh, previous fall garden experience. <laughs> and then yesterday we weeded all of the paths because the paths got overgrown, even though I put down weed cloth and chips. It didn't matter. The weeds still got through because F you weeds. <laughs> weeds are awful. <laughs> they are. Oh, and they're impossible to stop. Like I was telling Jared yesterday, I think I'm going to try to mix up um, like vinegar and dish soap into a spray bottle and just Ooh, spray yeah. down all of the paths to see if that stops them from germinating. Like, I just don't know what to do, but I don't want to spray Roundup around my garden for obvious reasons. So, yeah, that's true. So, yeah. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> we also pulled all of the plants that were yellowing. We've had a couple of fungus problems this year, but we had dirt trucked in and we had our mulch trucked in. So we don't know what was in either of those. So it's possible there was a fungus, you know, hiding. So we had yeah. a lot of things yellow and, and kind of fungus, like fungicide. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> so I clipped off all those yellow parts. Yeah, right. And disposed of those, not near the garden because you don't want to spread the fungus. I pulled out a lot of plants that just didn't make it because they got really nasty and yucky. Uh, for some reason, cucumbers didn't grow for me this year, of all things. Supposedly, huh. those are really easy, but I could not grow cucumbers. So, hmm. No more pickles. No, no pickles this year, um, unless somebody gives me cucumbers, but I'm sure somebody's going to. So... <laughs> <laughs> And what else did we do? Oh, and we harvested everything. We had Swiss chard, kale, and carrots that really needed to go because I have a bad habit of leaving things in the garden too long. And the garden during the summer is not a good place to store your vegetables. Right. <laughs> like when they're ripe, they really need to be pulled. So Aurora helped me and she pulled every carrot and clipped off every leaf off of the kale and the Swiss chard plants. And in fact, yesterday I blanched the Swiss chard and kale and stuffed them into muffin cups, like muffin tin cups, and froze them. So I've got hockey pucks of kale oh, and nice. Swiss chard to throw in the soup for the winter. So yeah. And the carrots are still sitting in my sink because I ran out of time. Mm -hmm. And I just keep throwing ice on top of them to keep them from getting floppy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but I have an entire sink full of carrots. It's like got to be 70 carrots. It's so many. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What are you going to do with all those carrots? I'm going to blanch them and freeze them. Nice. A couple of them I'll throw into a baggie and throw in the fridge because they'll last in the fridge for several weeks as long as you keep them from freezing, you know, like in the crisper drawer. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, that's an Aurora pie snack on some. I'll, you know, chop them up and throw them into sautés and stuff. But so that's what we did yesterday. Awesome. So according to Good Housekeeping, there are only four simple rules you need to follow to be successful with your fall garden, which I kind of call BS on if you don't have a green thumb. I feel like it takes more than four things, but we'll go over what they say and then compare it to real life. So rule number one, get started early. Um, by the time most people start thinking about it, it's probably a little too late or your options kind of dwindle um, once it gets later into the summer. Um, in most regions, planting in the heat of August to give your crops time to size up is probably a good idea. Um, some fast-growing crops like lettuce and radishes can be planted into late September, 
but many desirable fall crops like broccoli and carrots need several months of prime growing conditions to mature before frost and low light levels set in. So when in doubt, plant your fall crops early. So that's kind of what I'm thinking for next year is like planning out all the different months as best as I can and try to keep my goals realistic because I get a little excited too sometimes and want to go like balls to the walls and that doesn't work out so well. Yeah, I mean, you should have seen me cutting the tops off of, uh, what was it, the 60 onions that I harvested a couple <laughs> weeks ago. And, like, I'm finally prepping the garlic. That was something else I did today. The garlic had been hanging in the barn for, like, oh, I don't know, a month and a half now. It doesn't need that long to cure. It only needed, like, two weeks. But I'm finally getting around to, like, chopping the head off, chopping the root off, pulling the nasty papers off, and getting them put in a bucket. <laughs> hey better late than never on that one (laughs) yeah that's true and they seem to be fine I've only got a handful so far that have started like rotting so I pulled out the bad bulbs and threw them out and all those open bulbs will go in the kitchen to get used right away so nice yeah still not wasted awesome so rule number two is to know how long it takes for your fall crops to grow which kind of seems like common sense but Knowing that helps you work backwards uh, for when you should really start planting. So each crop has a relatively predictable lifespan, meaning that you can anticipate approximately how long it'll take to reach harvestable size. Um, And the lifespan of the crop is usually defined by the phase uh, by the phrase days to maturity, which will be listed on the seed package or plant tag. So you want to make sure you're paying attention to that when you're planting or plan planning your planting. That's kind of hard to say. Um, <laughs> and that almanac can help you figure out your first local frost date as well. Rule number three, harvest summer crops ASAP, which is basically what Beth did this weekend. She got out there and harv- harvested her crops. And now she's just swimming in it. It sounds like you're you, you're up to your ears in carrots. <laughs> yep, carrots, onions, and garlic. Mmm, delicious. Nice. That does sound <laughs> yummy. So crops that may be finishing up in the garden mid midsummer can include things like garlic, onions, potatoes, carrots, beets, cauliflower, cabbage, and broccoli. And you might also still have some spring salad greens that are exhausted and ready to come out. So before you can really start your fall garden, you got to kind of wrap up or have a plan to wrap up your summer garden. So uh, to follow up on the lettuce thing, um, you won't see lettuce in summer gardens, or at least not in very many summer gardens, unless you have a really mild climate, because lettuce tends to get really bitter and bolt really fast uh, once the temperatures get a little too hot for it. So like I gave up on lettuce. Well, actually, so I had lettuce up until the end of July, but I intentionally kept it on because I needed it for hamburgers because that was the thing that I was making for our family reunion that I hosted here. And I really wanted all the vegetables to come out of our garden. So I left the lettuce on. It was like starting to bolt, but it was that little gem lettuce. And it was really easy because it was like tall and skinny and we just pulled the stalks off and then just popped all the leaves off. And they still tasted pretty good. That one didn't bitter too much, but like the really soft, uh, the really soft lettuce, like the light, like crinkly ones, those will get really bitter really fast in the hot weather. So like early spring and later fall is when it's best for those things, at least in my climate. And I'm in zone six because I'm in Ohio. Nice. Good to know. I didn't know that with the heat and lettuce, so that saves me some trouble for next year. (laughs) Yeah, I always try to grow them on the containers, like on the porch, to try to keep in lettuce all summer. But it never works because I'm terrible at remembering to water things. And the porch gets really hot, too, so I don't know who I'm kidding myself thinking that that's going (laughs) to be better. (laughs) Maybe next year. (laughs) Uh, So the last rule we're going to go over today is that it's important to know that crops last longer in fall. So with fall and winter gardening, um, your vegetable plot turns basically into a giant refrigerator. So during the fall season, cool weather allows crops to hold longer in the garden once mature. So crops like broccoli, cabbage, and kale can live for months in the garden after they reach maturity. So you have the opposite problem of what 
Bev was just talking about. Yep. <laughs> and like Bev pointed out last year, her cilantro did pretty dang good um, in the colder weather. And you can also think about crops like spinach and lettuce. Uh, and it's going to hold its quality much longer when planted for fall harvest. So if you plan properly, and depending on your zone, you may be able to harvest from the garden all through the cold season and into early spring. Now, obviously, with Michigan, when it's like negative 41 chill, probably not going to (laughs) happen. But if you live in a more mild climate, uh, this might be your new jam. Yeah, and, you know, I was able to harvest from our fall garden up until, I want to say, mid to late December. I'll have nice. to go back through my pictures and find yeah. them. And I'll I'll put some pictures in the carousel for this week of last year's fall garden because I think I might have taken a picture of some of the kale, like, with snow and stuff on it. And every day I'd go out there, and when they were covered in snow, I'd be like, that's it. Everything's gone. I should have harvested it yesterday. And then the snow would melt, and it was totally fine. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, even if you think you're too late, I highly recommend people just plant a few things, even if it's just one bed, because you'd be surprised how far, like, five kale plants get you. Like, it's it's pretty impressive. <laughs> Amazing. I like it. <laughs> Back on a Saturday morning in July of 2015, Tina's family gathered around the family dog and opened a subscription box that they ordered full of treats and toys. Later that day, her eight-year-old daughter asked, Wouldn't it be cool if our chickens got their own box of treats? That question stuck with Tina, and after some research, Henny and Rue was launched, or should I say hatched, in October 2015. Henny and Rue boxes make the perfect gift for you or the chicken keeper in your life. Each box includes poultry first aid items, a few other chicken surprises like treats or other things to make your chicken keeping easier, and there's always a gift or two for the chicken keeper. With each item being carefully selected by the chicken keeper and her family, you can feel good about being sent items that you and your flock will love. So go to honeyandrue.com and use code DRINKINFARM at checkout to get 10% off your first subscription box. Your flock will thank you for it. All right. So this article also listed out a few vegetables that might be a good option for you to plant in a fall garden. Again, check your zone and those dates for your first frost um, to be successful. But this is what was in that article. And obviously, Bev already gave you a few ideas too, based on what she did last year and what she's going to do this year. So Bev, have you ever grown beets before? Yep, I have a giant bag of them in the fridge because I harvested those last week. Nice. (laughs) So apparently those can go in a fall garden um, and you want to plant those seeds about 8 to 10 weeks before the first expected frost, which means that you'll harvest them in time for the holidays. So the main difference is beets harvested in fall have a stronger color than spring planted beets since they aren't fond of crowds, plant seeds about one inch deep and three to four inches apart or sow them closer together and use the thinnings later for salad fixings. So beets might be a good option. I'm not a big fan of beets though. Oh, I love fresh beets. Unless they're like in a Greek salad. What do you, what do you put beets in? Do you, or do you just like take a big old bite out of them? (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're really hard. So I wouldn't (laughs) recommend that. Um, But Funnily enough, my neighbor actually eats potatoes raw, of all things. So I'm sure there's somebody that eats beets raw. Um, But I always boil them and then just peel the skin off and chop them into squares and serve them as a side. And something about beets that come fresh out of the garden, like I don't have to add anything to them. They're just good steamed. But the other thing I do is I save them for salad toppings because beets are really good in salads um and then i'll also puree them up and you can make pink pasta with beet puree so what? yeah it's really fun and it doesn't change the taste of the pasta either so oh see you might have convinced me to like plant a little bit of that next year then just to give it a try yeah i'd at least do a handful do like 10 beets or something and if you don't like them steam them and give them to your chickens <laughs> oh fair enough we can do that <laughs> Um, so carrots are always an option too. Um, so direct sow carrots into the garden in rows space six to eight inches apart. If your garden has drip irrigation, sow the seeds along the drip lines. 
and carrot seed is very small and can be hard to sow precisely. So aim for five to eight seeds per inch. Yeah, that's what I'm always concerned about with seed like seeds is like how tiny they are and how precise you have to be. So when you planted carrots, Bev, like how did you do that and not mess it up? Because clearly you were successful. <laughs> So I actually don't follow any of the rules when it comes to these tiny seeds. <laughs> I made like a little trench that was the right depth. And then I just pinched seeds and sprinkled them into the trench and covered them. And <gasps> what rebel. grew, grew. And what didn't grow, <laughs> didn't grow. And they were really crowded. Like, don't get me wrong. I should have taken a picture of it. I had carrots that grew that were all touching each other. But they turned out fine. They were a fine size. And, you know, you can thin if you want to. But I almost never thin even radishes and lettuce and whatnot. Like I let them crowd each other out and whichever one is the bigger, stronger one turns out better. And the tinier one I harvest and is like, you know, snack sized, but it was still a thing. So it was fine. So basically your garden is the Hunger Games and the strongest. Pretty much. (laughs) May the odds be ever in your favor. (laughs) (laughs) May the odds be ever in your gardening favor. (laughs) This is also a really good place to do those seed mats that I made for the Girl Scouts. And you can do them out of a roll of toilet paper. Like, you know, just like really like two ply toilet paper. Just, you know, like roll out the length you need and pull the plies apart. And then just put like a tiny bit of water or like a flower paste where you want your seed spacing to be. Drop your seeds on and then close the you know, the, the other ply of toilet paper and you can just drop them in the garden and sprinkle dirt and mulch on them. And it'll be fine. Ta-da. You're welcome. I love it. <laughs> so the next item on this list is onions. So depending on where you live, you can plant onions sets two to four weeks before the average last frost date. And this article says that you should place the sets in a shallow furrow space four to six inches apart and cover with the enough soil to leave their pointed tips at the soil surface. Are those the rules you followed, Bev? Or did you go rogue? (laughs) So I'm not sure what a furrow is. Is that just like a fancy way to say hole? I think so. Or like maybe a little ditch. I don't know. (laughs) That's why I said it so weird. It sounds so snooty. Like shallow furrow. This is good housekeeping. And we say things like a shallow furrow. (laughs) You can always tell when we copy paste. (laughs) Yeah, which is most times. And we're just sharing information with you. So you don't have to read it. (laughs) Right. You're welcome. Uh, so I actually planted my onions in the spring. I didn't plant them over the winter because I didn't have enough bed space to plant my onions yet. And the ones that I planted in the spring turned out just fine. I had a few small ones, um, but this is, I didn't know that you could plant them in the fall. So I might do that this year. I'll plant my garlic and onions at the same time, but in different mm. beds. And then I'll have a whole bed of both, you know, come, yeah. I don't know, June next year. Yeah, and you'll have to tell us if you did that with a shallow furrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll describe my out. shallow furrow in detail. <laughs> Sounds really weird. <laughs> okay. Anywho's. Um, you can also do broccoli in a fall garden. So you can transplant bark broccoli into the garden, spacing plants 12 to 18 inches apart. So they need a lot of wiggle room. Uh, broccoli loves nitrogen, so an additional application of a nitrogen source like blood meal or alfalfa meal will help it thrive. Do you use either of those things ever, Bev, in your garden? So I don't, but I'm thinking I need to because I haven't made enough compost to like really properly um, amend my garden soil. I do need to rely on like an outside organic fertilizer, but I did, I forgot to mention this, I did fertilize everything yesterday and I use a fertilizer called Trifecta and I get that from MI Gardener also. It comes in like big bags. It's filled with like chicken poop that's been aged the right amount and like a bunch of other stuff. It stinks like to all get out. (laughs) I opened the bag and I was like, ew, what is that? (laughs) It's like, I'm fertilizing. She's like, please don't while I'm out here. 
okay. like okay fine um but yeah i need to get some of that because my all of my soil needs more nitrogen and needs more good stuff do you know what blood meal is because i just google it and i'm a little like what the f, f? <laughs> I'm not really sure what blood meal is. Well, I'm about to tell you. Um, Okay. (laughs) It is a dry inert powder made from blood used as high nitrogen organic fertilizer and a high protein animal feed. Um, It usually comes from cattle or hogs as a slaughterhouse byproduct. You're welcome. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) I'm not surprised by that. Uh, Recycle. Yeah, I mean, it's a good way to use like an off product. You know, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, not like the main thing that the slaughterhouse produces, which is like something that would normally just be thrown in the trash. Like the whole animal. Yeah, I think that's good. It's a little gross. I'm a little grossed out by it, but I get it. And I appreciate that they're using all of the animal that way. But I was not expecting that. See, this is when we copy and paste and don't know things until we have to Google it while we're talking about it. So, yeah, (laughs) you're learning with us at the same time. Okay, moving right along to salad greens. Um, Obviously, salad greens are a category. They do well. And because your new fall garden is going to act as a fridge, they can thrive for a while. So that's a good option. Uh, and asparagus is another one that you can do. So this looks a little tricky to me and it's not a shallow furrow. It's telling you to dig trenches this time that are 12 inches wide and six inches deep in your garden beds. And you want to soak the asparagus crowns before planting them in the trenches nearly, uh, feet apart and then top them with two to three inches of soil. So you winterize these greens to ensure you'll have a fresh crop by springtime. So this is one that you plant in the fall. It kind of takes a nap through the winter and then boom, you're going to have fresh asparagus in the springtime, which sounds great to me. Well, I feel like they oversimplified that because (laughs) asparagus actually needs a couple of years to really establish itself before you can take anything from it. Yeah. Like, so I have an asparagus patch. I didn't plant it. The lady that lived here before us planted it. So it's on year four now. I only got 10 spears from it. And then I left the rest to like seed and do its thing. And then I'm hoping next year is going to be its big year. Um, but yeah, asparagus, you usually can't harvest from it the first year that it's planted. Like, unless these are like really mature crowns. So maybe you can go to like a garden center and buy like three year old asparagus crowns, plant them in the fall. And then suddenly, you know, you've got like five dozen asparagus growing out of them next year but I don't know I'll have to look into that because if that's a thing I'm gonna plant some asparagus because I grew asparagus from seed this year and I was so proud of myself I was gonna put them out in the garden and then I forgot to water them so they all dried up (laughs) but asparagus is something that's really hard to grow from seed so like I was patting myself on the back and then I was like oh damn I suck at watering (laughs) so moral of the story asparagus is super high maintenance and you should keep your expectations low (laughs) as do not be disappointed once you plant it though it's kind of like uh strawberries and it just does its thing like if you just keep its bed weed free and you mulch it and like feed it every year you don't have to do anything with it and i think that asparagus plants can last for like several years like i want to say like 8 to 12 i mean don't quote me on that because i just made that number up but like they (laughs) They're not something that you have to replace like every few years. Like they they produce for a while. So gosh, yeah. I had no idea. That's why it's so expensive at the store. It's just high maintenance, but totally worth it. Yeah, and it's cheaper at the grocery store than it is like at a farm market or like from like a fresh farm. Like I paid seven dollars a pound for it or something like that from the farmer. Dang. But you can get it on sale for like two or three dollars a pound at the grocery store. Yeah, and I think that's expensive because I'm cheap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can so, get it for 99 cents if you get it on the right time. Oh. So if you're going to do asparagus, treat it like a long-term relationship. You can't treat it like a spring fling. There's a lot of commitment that goes into that asparagus. 
So keep that in mind. Yeah, and it's going to take up space for a long time. So like, make sure that's where you want it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Commitment. <laughs> All right. We've already kind of talked about garlic. And then there was an episode that we did over a year ago where we were talking about garlic, the garlic industry and stuff that comes overseas. And you guys should just go find that episode. It's pretty fascinating. So it definitely inspired Bev to go ahead and plant a butt ton of garlic. Um, But if you're up to do that too, you want to make sure you plant those cloves four to six inches apart. And it says to push each clove at least one inch into the ground before covering with soil and six inches of mulch for winter protection. So is that kind of the rules that you followed, Bev, or did you have a different approach? So I totally broke all the rules <laughs> and while I did plant them and I actually measured like my son Orion and I went out there and we measured, we marked the holes, we pushed the garlic into the right depth and covered them and everything, but we didn't mulch because our chickens free range and we didn't have a garden um, fence up yet. And if we had mulched the beds, the chickens would have gone and kicked all the mulch out because they're jerks like that. Yeah. But because I left it empty, they weren't interested. So uh-huh. they left it alone. And the garlic survived. I got a ton of garlic out of it. I want to say like 30% of it died. And that's probably because it wasn't mulched. But but that's still pretty good for just kind yeah, of that winging is pretty it. Good. Yeah. Last item on the list is scallions. Scallions can be directly sown or transplanted into your August garden. If sowing seeds directly, um, you're going to want to sow four seeds per inch in rows six to eight inches apart. And their tiny bulbs come in both white or deep purple. And like purple onions, purple scallions hold their color while cooked. So that's another fun option for you and your fall garden. Hooray! I'm feeling inspired, even though I know I'm not going to do anything this year. (laughs) I'm totally inspired, and I'm kind of glad that we did this because I have to make some decisions like this week on how I'm going to do this year's fall garden. So this kind of inspired me to not just sit on my phone and stare at Instagram all afternoon, but actually like (laughs) go out into the barn and kind of decide what I'm going to do. So nice. (laughs) I'm glad we had this conversation. I'm glad we have too, and I'm going to live vicariously through you this year. And then copy you probably next year. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if we plan it out right, maybe I can go out there and help you get things set up because I oh, found be some really good like gardening techniques. And I know what you said about the soil issues that you were having. And I think I have a solution for you. We just have to find a good like a landscaping store near you that has manure and bales of straw. If we can get those two things, we can put together a really big, nice garden for you. I've got to go take pictures of my friend um, Amy over at Fruitdale Farm. And if anybody wants to go check out some of the things that she did, she's at Fruitdale Farm on Instagram. I actually know her in real life and like go over to her farm and stuff. She did that. It's a permaculture practice. It's called like lasagna gardening. But when you put like cardboard and we talked about it on an episode, but I can't remember the episode number off the top of my head. But if you search for it on our website, you'll find it. Um, But it's basically cardboard, a thick layer of straw, and then you put the manure on top of it. And she planted seeds and transplanted seedlings directly into that with no time given. And her garden exploded. Like it looks amazing. And weeds aren't coming through because of the big, thick layer of cardboard, manure and straw. So... Yeah, it worked really Fancy. well. Yeah, mm. I just spread a bunch of goat poo hay in this very big area behind my barn where I'm dreaming my garden will be next year. Um, so I'm hopeful that that will help like compost over the winter and kind of create a nice base. We'll see how that works out. Um, oh, it totally should. But I'm pretty excited for that area. Nice. Um, maybe we'll just pick up some blood meal while we're at it. <laughs> I mean, might as well. And okay. I have a correction corner for us really quick. Oh, you do? <laughs> that Already? way I don't have to save it for next week. For this Already. <laughs> oh, all right. We're going back to the top. <laughs> for this episode, uh, asparagus plants can live for decades, not 8 to 12 years. What? Yeah, so they're worth the investment. Yeah. Jeez. 
Gosh, I guess you should, when you decide to marry someone, you should think of it like an asparagus plant that you're just committed for decades. (laughs) I like that. Well, and it's probably just certain varieties that do that. So you might want to like talk to your garden center to find out what kind of asparagus you're getting. You gotta find the right asparagus to last for decades, guys. (laughs) Look, asparagus is just like a man. (laughs) Oh, we went down a path there. (laughs) We have far too much fun talking about gardening. And I feel like this is the perfect segue to We Can't Even, since we're already having so much fun. For sure. Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I'll go first. I feel like I'm excited about yours because I've seen this video. (laughs) And mine's really short. Uh, And I knew this was going to be my can't even as soon as I saw it get posted in our Facebook group. And I was hoping you weren't going to pick it. (laughs) So I was really excited (laughs) when you didn't. (laughs) I went a little dark this week. So maybe it's good that you're going first. (laughs) (laughs) So my can't even this week was posted in our Facebook group by Katie Montgomery. And she's at Sticky Holler Farm. Uh, she posted a video of a donkey joining a man for a hilarious rendition of the Lion King's Circle of Life. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> it's so cute. It's hilarious. Like the guy is just having the best time. He looks super happy and super fun. Like I want to be that guy's friend. And his donkey is adorable and so sweet. And I showed it to Herc because I was hoping he would sing along. (laughs) But Herc just like wiggled his ears a lot and looked at me really funny. And then when it stopped, he did start to like do his little thing. (laughs) So I think he wanted to watch it again. But I don't know if anybody would be interested in doing this. I'm going to see if I can do it. But in our group, I'm going to have Jared film me showing the video to Herc to see if it... He see if he sings along and then anyone else can share if they were able to do that with their donkey and what their donkey's reaction was. <laughs> Aw, I like it. That's so cute. Yeah. So there'll be a link to it in the show notes. Go watch the video. It's just like a, it made me feel really good. And I took the kids to see the Lion King last night. So it was very like topical for me too, because we just saw it and it was so good. Yes. I love it. So what is your can't even this week? Uh, so like I said, mine's a little dark and it feels a little like my favorite murdery. Um, so mine is about a potential murder because holy shit, this is so so scary and I just can't even with it. And the article I'll be referencing is from boston.com, but you can Google this. It's all over the place right now. And the title of the article is Two Brothers Vanish After Going to a Farm on Business. Human remains were just found there. Oh, my God. This is like my nightmare. Yeah. So one of the other things that I regularly listen to is Dave and Chuck the Freak. um, And their little slogan is trust no one, help no one. And I follow that. (laughs) Like, Bev, between the two of us, like, Bev's the better person, I would say, because she's very nice and is very charitable and thought towards people. And I am, like, opposite. Um, I'm very suspicious. So I'm like, trust everyone, help everyone. Would you like my car? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I will take it and you'll never see it again. <laughs> so two brothers, Nicholas and Ju- Justin, were heading out to a farm in no- northwest Missouri it was the last day of their work trip. Of course, it's the last freaking day. Not the first day, the last day. And they had a meeting lined up to discuss a cattle business deal. And once that was over, they were supposed to get on a plane and go back home to Wisconsin. So these two boys, or guys, I should say, they're 35 and 24, never made their flight on July 21st. So after numerous calls and texts to their phones went unanswered, concerned family members quickly reported the men missing. And searches were launched across two counties in Missouri as authorities scrambled to track down the brothers. But what began as a missing persons case is now a death investigation. Uh, so on Wednesday, it was announced that human remains were found this week on a farm in Missouri where the men had gone the day they went missing. Oh, man. Yeah. 
So the human remains, which have not yet been identified, were discovered on the farmland used by this guy named Bramer, or by this guy who's a Bramer resident. His name is Garland Joey Nelson, and he was uh, arrested Friday after he admitted to driving the brother's rented truck without permission from the farm to a commuter lot more than 50, more than 30 miles away and abandoning it there. Not suspicious at all, right? No, not, not even no, close. <laughs> no, and investigators actually are describing this guy as a danger to the community and noted that he has tried to mislead law enforcement before. Um, so he is now facing first-degree felony charges for tampering with a motor vehicle. Um, so that's already not great for him. But in 2015, Nelson pled not guilty to running a three-part cattle fraud scheme that resulted in victims losing more than $260,000. And as part of that scheme, Nelson sold nearly 650 cattle that belonged to other people. And he was sentenced to two years in federal prison without parole. So he just basically got out. Um, and now he... It, he might allegedly be up to some shit again. So I'm just going to go on like a tiny side tangent really quick. But Ooh, okay. this is exactly why it's really important to Google people that you're mm-hmm. going to do business with. Um, back when I got when I closed down my bookkeeping practice to take the job that I have now, I was originally going to sell it and someone had offered to buy it from me. And they had offer, actually offered like a really nice amount of money for it. But I Googled him and it turns out that he had been in jail recently for <gasps> dumping toxic waste into like uh, like the back area of Alaska. And it was like, I can't sell oh my, my business to somebody that just got in trouble for that. So I was like, no, thank you. And I actually ended up just giving all of my clients to a really nice lady that I met that does really good bookkeeping work. So I felt like that was just a good karma, (laughs) really good karma way to do it instead. And it's just like, yeah, you got to Google people. Not all of it's going to be true. So you should talk to them about it and dig a little bit just in case something's not right. But that's that's my small story. Yeah. (sighs) So see you do have a little trust no one help no one in you with your just a tiny bit (laughs) you're you know like me with that little bit of anxiety that is just in your gut all the time you got to do the google you have to to give you that peace of mind and to feel good about something (laughs) so these two siblings own a livestock company and they spent the weekend traveling around two counties in missouri with farmers um, they were, Like we said before, they were due back to their flight around 3.15 on July 21st, but they never arrived. And then the next day, the, that rental truck was found, um, and it was ditched in a commuter lot, still running, with the lights on and keys in the ignition. Like, you know, not suspicious at all. Yeah, that's not, not going to get any attention. Jesus. No. No. <laughs> and he's not a smart criminal. Oh, God. Most of them are not, though, really. <laughs> Fair enough. <sighs> And the GPS data actually from the truck confirmed that Nicholas and Justin left their hotel shortly before 8.50 a.m. They drove roughly 30 miles to the farm. And after about two hours, the truck left the farm. But the surveillance footage showed that only one person was inside the vehicle. And then the police said the truck was later located where Nelson admitted to where he left it. So he's he's screwed. Like, (laughs) it's not looking good for that dude at all no yeah so the authorities continued to scour places the brothers had visited during the trip including the 74 acre uh tract of land used by nelson and they're checking buildings ponds and waste piles and everything and they have found human remains we're just not sure yet if they are in fact the two brothers but i don't know my gut tells me they probably are and We can't say for sure if Nelson, this Nelson guy, did it, but he's looking pretty guilty where he's sitting right now. (laughs) Um, But obviously in America, innocent till proven guilty, but he is in police custody. Yeah. It's not looking good. So I wanted to share that because that is scary as hell. Um, And just if you do anything where you're going out either by yourself or even with somebody else, 
Um, do your due diligence to look up people when you can. And if, if it feels paranoid to you, um, I would still do it. Like if I, that's why I like my husband does a job where he's going into people's houses now, um, to install things. And I could never do that with my level of paranoia and introvertedness. I just wouldn't want to, um, more than likely my husband's going to be just fine, but I'm very like, just not about going into strangers' houses. So just be careful out there, peeps. It's pretty effed up out there. Well, and like doing your due diligence isn't necessarily being paranoid. It's being really smart with the resources that you have. Like there's so much information available out there like about people. It's really easy to find some stuff out if you really want to. But, Mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, even sometimes doing all of your due diligence won't protect you. But, you know, so like you don't want to like victim blame or like say, oh, well, if only these guys had like, you know, like Googled that guy, maybe they wouldn't have gone. But who knows? Like it's it's really it's hard to like sit, you know, like on the outside and think of all the things that could have done differently um, to avoid something like this. But I really hope that those remains aren't those guys and they end up like turning up somewhere like he hid them on their property or something and they just haven't found them yet but they're alive but I'm an optimist like that so yeah I think they're dead because I'm a realist (laughs) (laughs) and I feel very badly I'm I'm not laughing because it's funny I'm laughing because it's uncomfortable and I feel yeah no I just laughed too so it's not for their families no matter what even if they are alive like how terrifying yeah to have that happen to a loved one and not know it happened. So I hope they get closure either way. Oh yeah, for sure. For what happened. And I hope if somebody needs to be brought to justice, that they are swiftly and that it's fair. Well, and you know, keep in mind too, that um, we record this, you know, like five days before it is actually released. So maybe by the time this um, has dropped, uh, this will have concluded. So you might be able to yeah. look up more info, but there'll be a link to this article in the show notes and maybe they'll update it. Yeah. So you can check it out if you're curious. And maybe we'll have some follow-up next week. Yeah. We shall see. All right. I'm ready for another upper. Let's talk farm story. Yay. Farm story. Yay, farm story. Do you want to read this or do you want me to? So I can read it. I haven't read it yet, um, okay. but it's yeah, I'll hilarious. read it, and yeah, you... and then we can react appropriately because I have no <laughs> idea what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. It starts with "Hi there." I like that. That's a great introduction. Oh hey. <laughs> oh hi. Hi there. Thanks so much for everything you share. I look forward to your podcast every week. Here is a farm story of mine that still makes me laugh. I hope you get a chuckle out of it. Feel free to share it if you like. Well, thanks. I'm glad that you like listening to our podcast. And we will definitely share this. (laughs) Yeah, we are sharing it right now. Right now. (laughs) When I was in high school, my boyfriend decided he wanted to go riding with me. He had been riding a few times before, and I had started riding when I was about six, so I decided to take him for a trail ride. When he showed up, he informed me that he had decided to ride bareback, since that was the way, (laughs) quote-unquote, real horsemen did it. (laughs) I discovered later that this idea came from a book he had been reading where the main character only rode bareback. (laughs) And was this character, like, shirtless and have, like, Fabio hair or some shit? Like, what the heck are you thinking? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I don't know if I'm going to get through this. I have tears streaming down my face. (laughs) I did try to explain that riding bareback takes some practice. However, he insisted he didn't even want to use a mounting block. But since he Mm. couldn't get on the horse with that one... He just assured me that soon enough, he wouldn't need that either. He teased me about my saddle, but I just let it slide off, and we went with him riding bareback for the first time. (laughs) Oh, boy. After a bit, we came up to the first steep hill. I told him to lean forward a bit to shift his weight and that he should hold on to a lock of mane for help. 
He scoffed at that and told me he didn't need to hold on to anything. Something about real horsemen only use legs to balance. (laughs) Oh, you stupid, stupid boy. (laughs) I mean, last time I checked, real cowboys use saddles. (laughs) Yeah, last time I checked, I would agree. As we got to the top of the hill, wouldn't you know it, he slipped straight off the back of that horse. It happened so fast, he was still hanging on to the reins with both hands. The horse stopped suddenly, and he landed upright on his feet with his nose in her tail. The mare seemed a little shocked to have a human head half buried in her backside. (laughs) Oh, that poor horse. She's like, excuse me, sir. Remove your nose from my ass. I have to admit, at this point, I was laughing pretty hard. He sheepishly found a stump to stand on and got back on. (laughs) We rode in silence for a few more minutes and then came to another hill. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw his hand creep forward and grab a chunk of mane to hold onto, and he never made fun of my saddle again. (laughs) Cheers, Rachel. (laughs) Thank you, That's amazing. (laughs) That is awesome. I love it. And obviously, we get a lot of enjoyment from reading your farm stories, so make sure you send those to us. You can email us those straight to Gmail or straight to Gmail, drinkandfarm at gmail.com. or if you prefer, you can direct message those to Instagram, and we will share it, and it'll be great. We certainly will. Yes, and it can be anything, guys. It can be funny. It can make us cry, which means it could be funny and make Bev cry. (laughs) I mean, I've cried on several of these farm stories now. Some of them were sad. Some of them were sweet. And this one was hilarious. (laughs) So good. Thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing that. So it's Housekeeping Corner. Yes. And you guys... We would really, really appreciate it if you would review us in all the places, especially iTunes if you listen there. Um, And if you really like us, download the episode when you listen and hit that subscribe button. And if you're a fan on YouTube, go ahead and leave us a comment. We We like your kudos. Yeah, we sure do. And thanks, guys, for listening. Yeah. We'll talk to you next week. For sure. But in the meantime, drink farm and give zero clucks bye guys we drink things we farm things we drink and farm things mildred is a free-range chicken that lives in seattle washington she enjoys going on adventures with her human family adventures can be messy so mildred's family looked for a shampoo for chickens to give her the spa-like bath she deserved to their disbelief there were none this led to the development of a plant-based eco-friendly organic shampoo created for our feathered friends mildred's humans believe every chicken deserves to be pampered like they're at the top of the pecking order so you can rest assured that your egg layers are being pampered on the outside with natural and earth-friendly ingredients that have no synthetic fragrances or colors. So go to MessyMildred.com and use code DRINK15 to get 15% off when you try out all of the shampoos and the salty egg bombs to pamper your flock.